never, ever marks the spot. I am altering the deep. Pray I don't alter it any further. Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report, the podcast that always argues that it's faster to travel by hyperspace than it is by warp speed. My name is Drew, I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Um, hey man, uh, we are like real close to uh, C2E2. Uh, nice. That's coming up in like a week. You sadly cannot come with me, so I'm yeah, gonna... Yeah, I won't be able to make it this year, but I look forward to hearing about it. Yeah, I, I will be there, microphones will be with me, and I will be I will do a full report when I get back, um, and then uh, we'll get some audio highlights as we go. Nice. Um, I'm, uh, I am planning on going to uh, Anime Central uh, in another month or two, which will hopefully fill my con fix for a while, and uh, maybe I can tell you about that con once it actually comes around. <laughs> uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you go to Anime Central last year? Uh, I haven't been for a couple of years. I had a group of friends who used to go like every single year, and then we just haven't for a while. So <laughs> okay, it's uh, it's been very sad. <laughs> right on. Okay. Um. Okay. Well. Uh, <laughs> no, I literally was like, yeah, okay, cool, like con talk. Um. Yeah, I. Uh, so since C2E2 is coming, just if you guys are listening and you see me on the con floor or whatever, flag me down, say hello. That'd be awesome. Uh, meeting meeting listeners is always a cool thing. Um, so since our listener base has grown and our you know where you can find us has grown, you know I who knows. Um, You'll be the guy in the top five gear. I'll be the guy wearing the top five, the T5R shirt. <laughs> or I'll probably have like a Star Wars hat or a Batman hat on or something. But um, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Um, that'll definitely make you stand out. That, that, at Comic-Con, that'll, I will totally stand out. Yeah. <laughs> um, with that being said, uh, let's roll into what are we watching this week? Sounds good. Um, I haven't watched much, but I did have time to squeeze in a movie. Um, I read box this movie called uh, Ready or Not. Are you familiar with this at all? Um, that's is that the hide and seek movie? Yeah. Okay, I remember seeing trailers for it, and I thought to myself, "Ooh, I gotta watch that at some point." And then I just haven't. So, at least I knew what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah. So this is a movie that I don't know how much of the plot I should say because I don't want to spoil much, but it's. This movie where this girl, or yeah, this girl marries into a family, and uh, their family tradition is they play a game on everybody's wedding night, and that's kind of like a tradition to induct somebody into your fa- into their family. But the one game that so that it's basically you draw a card, and whatever the card says, that's the game you play. And uh, the only thing is, when if you draw a hide and seek, it essentially turns into everybody in the family chasing you around this mansion they live in and trying to kill you. (laughs) And there's, like, more reasons for, like, why that tradition exists and stuff that I'm not going to spoil any, but what I can say is, like, this movie is... 
What's up? Just the description of that, like, <laughs> just so just just the plot synopsis of what you just said. I'd be yeah. really scared to pull like shoots and ladders. <laughs> it's um. <according laughs> or like or like or like battleship. <laughs> right on. According to uh, what they tell you and kind of what you know in the movie, it's literally only hide hide and seek is the only game that this will cause uh, issue with. But that's actually really funny. <laughs> like you pull uh, you pull chests and then everybody starts breaking the armor and the weapons out. And stuff right. Like that. <laughs> right. Um, We're like rock 'em uh, sock 'em robots. Like holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. That's actually really funny though. Um, what was I saying? But this movie, like, the thing is, it's, like, it's so much fun. Because it's one of those movies that it has you in, in suspense, and you get really into the story and kind of, like, the suspense of this woman being chased by these characters and stuff. But it's also just kind of this, like, bizarre sort of, like... I mean, I would liken it to kind of, like, Sam Raimi horror stuff, like Evil Dead or Drag Me to Hell with that sort of fun, like really bombastic like haunted house almost funness but i don't know if that's the best comparison but you know what i mean it's just like this really crazy fun and there's like twists and turns in this movie that i did not see coming and it ends up getting like more bonkers as it goes so i just had a lot of fun with this um and then i actually thought it was funny because the main character in the in this movie the girl is from uh the movie The Babysitter on Netflix. Have you ever seen that? No. Okay, so The Babysitter... So, it's... before you tell me about The Babysitter, Netflix is in this weird, like, thing right now where <laughs> I don't know half of the stuff that's on Netflix, and Netflix is, like, this, like, digital, like, catacombed library of, like... <laughs> you know, Like, you'll get lost. Like, yeah. it was Stephen... Uh, sorry, not Steve Qu- John Oliver made this joke the other day about some... net. Like, on his most recent episode, he made a joke about... Uh, the new Netflix television show is scrolling is the, is forty minutes of scrolling through Netflix menus. <laughs> oh, absolutely! Looking for something to watch. I saw some comedian once talk about how he never did that at Blockbuster. You know, back in the day, you didn't go to the video store and then wander the aisles for forty <laughs> minutes and decide you were tired and go home and go to bed. <laughs> so there's something to be said for that. But um, the babysitter was. Uh, I don't want to go into it too long, um, but it, it was this Netflix uh, horror movie that I think came out around Halloween like a year or two ago, and I just thought it was funny that the main char- the main girl and the babysitter is also in this movie, Ready or Not, and they're both movies with not only similar plots, but really similar tones. Like, that's another one that's just like this really fun, obnoxious horror movie that's just like a blast to watch. So I just thought it was kind of funny that that's the only two things I've seen this one actress in. So, Oh, all right. Yeah. Is that all you had time, <laughs> anyways, is that all you had time to watch? Thing? Yeah. Yeah. Ready or not was my only thing. Highly recommend, uh, check it out. But yeah, that's all I had a chance to watch this time. Okay. Um, well the, I, I wanted to get in more because next week we want to do our, uh, best of 20 2019 list um and we're still gonna do that i still plan on doing that i just wanted to, i i was hoping to get in two more movies but i didn't so yeah they may be an addendum review later on um when i actually get to watch them but the movie i did get to watch this weekend was uh, ford versus ferrari oh cool um which was one of the best picture nominees um it's as a movie 
it's amazing. It's really, really cool. Like, I, from beginning to end, I thought it was fantastic. Um, why it got a Best Picture nomination, I'm not 100% sure. Um, yeah. In terms of, like, racing movies, um, I don't know if you... Like, so, Ford versus Ferrari is about uh, the Ford company trying to build a race car to beat Ferrari at the Le Mans race, which is a 24-hour race. Um and it's all about the science of putting the car together and like the it's it's a true story movie. Um, but there's a, uh, you know, Christian Bale and um, Matt Damon are in it. And then they they play off each other really like it's just this it's just this really great story. Um, the car stuff was really cool. Seeing like the some of the racing stuff was really cool. But when we talk about car movies, it's not like we've seen cooler stuff with cars. And I know this was a true story, so we're not doing, um, we're not doing stunts like a Fast and the Furious. That's not what I mean. I'm referring to, we've seen cooler stuff with cars in terms of cinematography and camera work and like that kind of stuff. So um, there's a, another racing movie called Rush, which is about IndyCar racing. Uh, it's another true story about uh, a racing rivalry between two drivers. Uh, Chris, Chris Hemsworth plays one of the drivers. That movie is phenomenal. Um, and when I got done watching Ford vs. Ferrari, all I could think was, I really liked this movie a lot. But as far as racing movies go, I felt that Rush was the better movie. Right. Um, so, and yeah. It sounds kind of like, maybe it's just like, and I, not that it was bad, but just cinematography-wise, uh, Ford versus her Ferrari didn't capture, like, the right feelings that uh, Rush maybe did for you. And maybe it didn't. Um, maybe I was in a different place. I don't know. Like like yeah. I said, Ford versus Ferrari was a great movie, and I really loved it. Like, I thought it was phenomenal from beginning to end. I just felt, in terms of racing category films, I think Rush was a better movie. And that was the only thing I could really compare it to in terms of that style of storytelling. Because it's a true story. It's about car racing. Yes, it's two different races. Yes, it's two different cars. But I just think the one was done better i don't know so right and i i think it's like it always it does it is unfortunate when you see a best picture nominee and then you're like well i've seen something similar that actually worked better um i'm kind of wondering if this one is like one where it's like it has like such a good cast and i don't know who directed it and whatnot but i didn't know if it sort of like checked all the boxes to be a best picture nominee if that makes sense you know right. had like cast music direction like it all like was kind of like these really well-known um re you know well-regarded uh creators but that's just kind of me speculating i don't really i'm not really sure <laughs> yeah no i hear you there it's like i said though it's a really good movie i definitely recommend it um it's a really good sit it's a really good story um i didn't i didn't know a, a lot about the story like I knew what the basis of the con I knew the concept of the movie and all that stuff, but I didn't know like some of the major players and some of the real life people. Like yeah. um, Henry the Ford, Henry Ford the second was like one of the major players in the story. I didn't realize that, um, you know, that kind of stuff. So it was it had a it had a heavy historical impact on it. So okay, nice. Yeah, um, but yeah, that's really all I had time to consume other than the normal. What am I watching on my DVR? Clearing it off, kind of. Uh, Right. Um, so yeah, you want to get to the news, man? Yeah, sounds good. I'm very curious to see what it is. Yeah, time. and since you don't, again, 
you get all your news from this show, which is awesome. Well, so what's funny is, I think it was last week, I didn't think I kept up with the news, and then most of the stories I actually knew about with the... Like, besides not knowing about the new uh, Batman costume reveal yeah. at all, but yeah. a lot of the other ones I knew. So, who knows, maybe I actually do all know right. all the stories this week. <laughs> well, before we go into the news, why don't you give me your quick take on the Batman costume, because I assume you went and looked at it. Oh, right, yeah, we, yeah, I did. So, I like it. I like that it's different than the ones I've seen. I don't know if I'm completely sold or not, um... My thing is, and I've, I've talked to some people about this, and I feel like I'm the only one who feels this way, so I might be totally off base, but I kind of feel that the cowl doesn't match the chest plate that we've seen. Like, it looks more like a like this kind of, like, thinner leather, like, bare-bones collar, and then the chest plate looks, like, super armored and, like, really tactical and stuff, and I don't know if those two things go together yet, if that makes sense. Um I do like that it's really unique. Um, I'm just kind of really curious because we've also only seen it in that sort of like really dark red lighting and people have been like color correcting it, but we still don't know for sure what colors it actually is. Like it could all be black for all we know. It could be blue and gray. Like I've seen some fan art depictions of the suit in uh, blue and gray. And I thought that was pretty interesting too. So, um, the way I described it to a friend I was talking to at work about it, I said, I give it a thumb and a half up just because I like it, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> right. Like, the the cowl was my criticism last week, too. Yeah. Um, and then my other criticism was the, uh, the symbol on his chest didn't have the ears. And, um, but if you look at the symbol on his chest, it actually looks like it's made of, like, a metal, like, fabricated yeah. metal, like it's pieced together somehow. And then, so as I was looking at it, so after we got off the show, I was looking at it again. And my criticism of the cowl still stands because we don't know, um, we don't know more about it. This could be, it was marked as a screen test. So, you know, we don't really know. And Um, we don't even know what the ears look like. We don't, like, we haven't even been able to take in the whole thing. So it's so hard to right um so again the cowl is kind of null and void until we get some more information the um the the symbol on his chest though it looks like it's pieced together metal like it doesn't look like it's like a seamless thing and as i was looking at it i suddenly remembered a short story written by kevin smith that is in the middle of detective comics 1000 Okay, where cool. you learn that the chest, the symbol itself on his chest is made of the part of made up of parts of the gun that killed his parents. I'm I'm over here nodding because I, <laughs> I actually knew you were going there, but I think that's really cool, and I think looking at the suit, it definitely appears like that. Definitely appears to be the case with this one. Right, and that's what and that's why I brought that up. Like you know, hey, yeah. that's really cool. Um, I actually saw um, Min, Ming Chen sharing, uh, a, he, he had something on Instagram where he was sharing about that, like, oh, Kevin Smith came up with this concept and stuff, and I was like, that's pretty neat. Um, before that was kind of uh, revealed or figured out or whatever, um, a lot of people were speculating that they were like batarangs or something, like he could remove the symbol and it would be like a little batarang that he could throw or some and, kind of weapon. And that'd be kind of cool, like, too. 
yeah, I mean, that's a really cool concept. So, anyways, um, uh, keep going. No, I was just going to say, this actually is a really good segue into news. Um, okay. Because, uh, I don't want to count this as, so, this isn't really a spoiler, but this is a little bit insight into what the movie, uh, a little time, so more of a timeline of where the movie takes place because Robert Pattinson actually looks younger than Ben Affleck. Uh, the argument is to where in the Batman timeline does the Batman take place. And they said they were discussing a younger Bruce Wayne. Well, up until now, my concern with the movie was we've we're too close to the dark Knight trilogy, in my opinion. So we all have had that origin story jammed down our throat again and again and again. So yeah. what actually are we doing? So it's reported that the Batman, the film The Batman, will explore Bruce Wayne's second year as the Dark Knight. So <laughs> it's not it's not an origin story, but this falls into the year two category. Um, okay. So I didn't really think that was a spoiler. It was more of a, oh, that's a timeline thing. Okay, sounds good. You know. The big question is, are they going to depict the... Um... You know, the alley where uh, Bruce Wayne's parents were shot. Because I know, I feel like every time that scene's depicted, especially nowadays, it gets criticized just because we've seen it so many times. And so, like, it just makes me wonder, is there going to be a flashback with that scene in it? Well, and, um, here's, let me, is this, are, do you have a problem seeing the Wayne murder over and over and over again? <laughs> um, I kind of can see both sides, because, like, yeah, I've seen it so many times, but the thing is, every time you reboot a story, you deserve to be able to include the whole story there. So, like, if you reboot Batman, I think it's fair to say, like, we have to acknowledge that that happened somehow, because, yeah, people now have seen it a lot, a lot of times, but people... 20 or 50 or 100 years from now who might revisit this movie like they deserve to be able to see the whole story if that makes sense it does and uh spider-man into the spider-verse is a perfect example of origin 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 and with the way <laughs> right. they handled the okay we're going to tell the story one more time and then they'd, you'd watch the segment and then be like okay we got to tell you this one more time like yeah. and i appreciated that because i'm just like you got to a point where you've seen so many uh, superhero origins that it's just, it gets insane. True. But what I was going to bring up in regards to the Batman situation is the, um, the, there's an issue, there's a thing, there's an issue of the comic code. Meaning, um, there's a rule in the comic books, and Stan Lee was very heavy when he talked about this, is every single comic book, and now you can technically look at it, any single one of the movies that releases, any comic book is technically someone's first. So if you're going to start reading Batman, Superman, Spider-Man, Wonder Woman, Harley Quinn, it doesn't matter what you're reading. That's potentially someone's first comic book. So making sure they're aware of where their characters came from is a rule that you have to make sure is reiterated here and there. Yeah. So you should always be able to tell as a as a reader, you should always be able to know. So when they remind me of the Wayne murder or they remind me of the spider biting Peter Parker or they remind me that Krypton was destroyed, I don't have problems with that because I know they're not talking necessarily to me. It's a emotional reminder to me as a super fan, but it's helping the young fan embrace what he's just he or she is just discovering. Yeah. So. I, I, I 
absolutely agree with that. I just, I guess to kind of like, if I was going to tack anything onto that uh, description right there, I would just say there's also a way to depict those origins and stuff, just like you said, just like in Into the Spider-Verse, where you don't have to take a super long time with it, too, especially when it's like, we've seen so many superhero origins and like if you're talking like batman or spider-man for example like we've seen those origins like way too many times <laughs> anyways so yeah I, I i just think there's a way to to tell the story in an efficient manner i guess yep well um yeah so we'll see how the bat the batman plays out uh when it comes out next year um with that said um ben affleck has been recently being very open and candid about what happened with his Batman script and why he stepped away from the cape. Did, oh, you, okay. did you hear about this? Uh, no. Yeah, I, I haven't really been following up okay. with that too so much. On, so we'll, this is my next piece of news. So it was a nice little segue. See, we're getting better. <laughs> see, 80 epi- 81 episodes in, and we're getting better with the segues. <laughs> Um, so on January 30th, 2019, Ben Affleck confirmed he was hanging up the cape and cowl, which he had been heavily speculated by critics and fans alike over the prior 18 months. Affleck discussed that the factors that, factors that led him to stepping back from the Batman mantle included his struggles with alcoholism, his divorce from his ex-wife Jennifer Gardner, and the troubles he had shooting and promoting 2017's Justice League. That brought him, brought home a disappointing box office of $658 million for a major studio such as Warner Brothers. From the sad Affleck meme that took the internet by storm during Batman vs. Superman to the very visible disinterest in Justice League. Um, Affleck's suffering bled into his work even when he desired to work on the Batman. Um, he said, I showed someone the Batman script. They said, I think the script is good. I also think you'll drink yourself to death if you go through what you just went through again. So in February 2017, director Matt Reeves boarded as director of The Batman, and by July of 2017, the filmmaker had noticed he had dropped Affleck's original script, um, and then the story kind of writes itself from there. So Yeah. I mean, that's all, like, it's sad to hear how much he struggled with that, you know, like, because I remember, you know, like, the sad, the sad Batman meme and all this stuff, and you, you want... Like, in my mind, Ben Affleck was always, like, this super huge celebrity, and I just figured, like, things like that would never phase him. Like, he's just, like, I just, I guess I just thought of him as, like, this high level of celebrity that wasn't necessarily that relatable, but um, it's really sad to hear that, like, that stuff was affecting him. Um, well, And obviously, like, his well-being is more important than his Batman portrayal, so <laughs> I, I'm true. Well, they it like he's doing better and making good choices, so... Like, you and I have talked before about this, but Batman vs. Superman is a phenomenal, phenomenal film, and yeah. the internet, the trolls on the internet raked it over the coals big time yeah and unfortunately that let and it's and batman vs superman is not an unsuccessful film the money that it brought in i mean it it served warner brothers well the problem is is because it didn't crack a billion dollars the internet views it as a failure yeah (laughs) and when i say didn't crack we're talking like i think a hundred thousand dollars short of a billion Um, yeah so I, I think it's unfair to call it a failure because it's not, but the Justice League uh, return 
that is a failure, but we're learning that that's not the movie we were supposed to get. Right. You know, so I think there's a I think there's something to be said there. It's sad to see Affleck go because I really liked Affleck's portrayal of Batman, but um, yeah. Yeah, de- definitely. It, it is sad. It's um, I remember seeing a lot of talk about how I I guess like you can notice um, Ben Affleck looks like a little less in shape in like the <laughs> reshot scenes in the Justice League. Like if you pay attention, like it looks like he um, packed on a few pounds for that you know, those scenes and stuff. And like, I mean, hearing like, if he was like practically drinking himself to death, like after, you know, while trying to promote the movie and then having to redo reshoots and it all kind of makes sense. So, I mean, I like him as an actor, you know, I want, you know, I wish the best for him. So, I mean, I'm glad that like, he's kind of figuring it out and like, in a weird way, I feel like Warner Brothers and DC is kind of finding their stride in the way that they're like approaching movies individually and just focusing on making good films as opposed to, you know, multi-movie story arcs and stuff like that. So. Yep. Agreed. Well, let's uh, let's start segueing towards Marvel because we have a director, James Gunn, is currently working filming Suicide Squad. And yeah. when he's done with that, he's going to be heading over to do Guardians of the Galaxy 3. <laughs> so, um, it's so weird, but I mean, I guess I it know. happens all the time in comic books, like writers and artists jump back and forth enough. So I know. Well, there's this really cool quote. I just thought this was an interesting quote from James Gunn. Um, he said, I love the movies I directed all the same so far, but I think this, I love the Suicide Squad script the most. Um, I thought that was interesting to hear him say that. I love all the movies I've directed the same, but I think I love the Suicide Squad script the most. That's a that's kind of telling, and it makes me really like anxious to see what the Suicide Squad movie is. Um, he then finished his quote to say, "Also love the scripts for Dawn of the Dead, Super, and the Specials." Now I have not seen the Specials, but Dawn of the Dead and Super were phenomenal. <laughs> um, and the Dawn of the Dead is the Zack Snyder remake, but um, yep. And super yeah, I mean, and that's, super that's, is great. Um, if you've not seen that, so I I've seen super. It's um, it's good. It's the problem was I saw Kick Ass before I saw Super, and oh, they're okay. very similar in their approach to telling a superhero story to an extent. And I think that ruined Super a little bit for, to me because it was so similar in that approach. But then. What Super does is it kind of goes down this really, really dark road where it's like... <laughs> yes, it does. It's really memorable, but it's, it gets super dark and kind of really crazy as it, it goes. It gets really strange, too. Um, yeah. But it's funny. it was funny to listen to him because I, I learned about Super because I was listening to an interview with him and he was talking about, um, and like in Super, like... You know, we have a superhero who carries around a monkey wrench, and, you know, if you hit someone in the face with a monkey wrench, there are consequences to that, like cause and reaction (laughs) stuff. So he's like, that's the thing about these comic book movies that people don't discuss. So um, it made me want to see Super by itself, just that statement alone. Right. Um, Um, Oh, I was just going to say, I've heard uh, a lot of, like, writers and creators talk about how... I feel like a lot of times it's whatever you're working on last or whatever you're working on at the moment is your favorite project you've ever done, which um, kind of makes sense as far as James Gunn's Suicide Squad uh, Mm -hmm. statement goes. But 
it's kind of cool to just hear him say that and he's having a fun time with these characters and like hopefully it leads to an awesome movie yep agreed well let's since that's a nice segue to marvel because james gunn's going to be doing suicide squad soon um it's official um william hurt who plays uh general ross in the marvel mcu will finally debut as the red hulk in the upcoming oh. in the upcoming She-Hulk series on Disney Plus. Okay. So we've I'm all have to watch this one. <laughs> right, I know. We've all speculated on Red Hulk, and now we're actually going to get it because it's going to happen on uh, the She-Hulk show, which is great. Um, That's cool. I know um, in the comics, like Red Hulk fights like Captain America and Thor, and like a lot of the Avengers. I mean, obviously Captain America won't show up, but. <laughs> It'll be cool to see if there's a lot of cameos of people who try to take him out because he runs a rampage for a while and, like, there's a bunch of people who step in. Well, we'll um, see. We're going to see how heavy these cameos are in the very first run of the go with Falcon and the Winter Soldier in August, so yeah. I'm excited. There, There's also an awesome Red Hulk moment where he um, is fighting Thor and he basically takes the fight to space, and since it's zero gravity, he's able to grab you know, grab Mjolnir and, like, launch Thor into the moon and, like, kind right. of abandon him there. And that would be so awesome if they could pull that off as well. Right. Well, um, since we're on Marvel, I got one more piece of Marvel news, and that is uh, the Loki television series that's on its way uh, for Disney+. Plus. A rumor suggests that the upcoming Loki series could actually set up the MCU's next big villain, because everyone's question is, who's the next Thanos? Um, and the big rumor in terms of that goes is that rumor uh, Loki's run through various timelines, because he disappeared at the Space Stone and took off at the end, end, during Endgame, uh, will open the door to Kang the Conqueror. Um, nice. Nice. Um, there's, they've been, they've mentioned Kang the Conqueror being the next, uh, Thanos for the, uh, Marvel MCU for a while now. Um, so that does not surprise me if something like that happens. Um, if you play, and I, this is really funny, but if you go and get Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2, <laughs> um, Kang the Conqueror is the main villain, and you can kind of get a taste of what Kang is, like, the whole point of what Kang is doing in terms of... The story's really cool and how it sets up, but um, uh, Kang the Conqueror is the main villain in that, and, uh, yeah. So, um, it makes me... I'm, I'm, an, I'm anxious to see what happens, because I was expecting Doctor Doom to be the next Thanos, but Kang the Conqueror makes more sense, and then we could roll into Chronopolis, and it'd be a really cool bit, so... Awesome. Yeah, and I think... Um... Like, Doctor Doom is such a good villain, but we've seen him in, you know, we've seen him twice on the big screen so far, you know, let's make room for somebody new. Yep. I think that'd be definitely a good choice. So. Yes. Um, all right. Uh, moving on, and we're now off of the DC Marvel stuff. Let's talk about some other movies that are not related. Um, okay. Mulan is coming out. Uh, cinematographer for Mulan, the live-action remake, says that Mandy Walker, who plays Mulan... Um, she's the lead actress, um, oh, sorry, I read that wrong. The cinematographer, Mandy Walker, says that the lead actress, Lou Yifi, if I said that correctly, did 90% of her own stunts for the film. Cool. I think that's awesome, because it's very, it's not often, it's not often you get to, you hear that actors are doing that much of their own stunts. Yeah. So, 
Um, did you, you know what a vertical film is? <laughs> is it like a widescreen film, but it's turned vertical? So imagine shooting a movie on your phone, but not turning it sideways to give you the widescreen right. look. Okay. So, uh, filmmaker. But, but is it, is it actually a movie filmed on your phone or is it like. I, I don't know. So okay. <laughs> the news headline reads, vertical films are coming. Uh, filmmaker Timur uh, Bekin-Manbitev, if I, I don't even know how to pronounce that name, so I know I'm, like, there's no way of, like, saying that properly in my head, um, yeah. is developing the first, the world's first vertical format blockbuster for an upcoming film titled V2 Escape from Hell. <laughs> okay. Um, so... I mean, the t I like the title. <laughs> I like the, t I like the title, too, but here's the, okay... So this is what I got to say about this. Um, <laughs> um, and this bugs me a little bit because when I was in film school and I learned the difference between widescreen and standard uh, screen. <laughs> yeah. And you don't think about it. And like we all have widescreen TVs now, so no one really thinks about it. But if you're not watching the movie in the proper aspect ratio, the amount of stuff that gets cut off on the sides that you can't see is insane and i didn't realize it until i was in school they pointed it out i'm like oh that's interesting and then the teacher actually said go watch star wars standard edition and then rewatch star wars widescreen or the proper aspect ratio and it was like the blinders were taken off i'm like yeah. oh my god look at all this stuff i can see so i've been so like have to watch things in proper aspect ratios like, it really turned me on to the idea of you have to watch the movie in this format to get what the director was trying to give you. So, like, when Hateful Eight came out and they shot it in the um, the 70, uh, the 70 inch uh, uh, sh frame frame shot and everything, you're just like, yeah, of course, I got to go see it that format, you know? So, yeah. Or, like, Avatar, when James Cameron's like, you have to see it this way. Like, yeah, okay, I'm going to go see it the way the director intended because that's what he was intending. I understand that the vertical film is an intention to, that's how I want to shoot the movie, but man, that's, I don't, that, that's, that might drive me nuts <laughs> to watch a whole movie in that format. <laughs> right. Um, Thoughts? So like, <laughs> yeah. So I guess like, I kind of, um, I guess like you could look at it kind of what you were saying about like widescreen versus full screen back in the day and like how if you don't watch, like, if you watch a full-screen version of a widescreen movie, you're missing stuff on the edges, and I imagine if you're making a vertical film, it would be filmed in a way that, or it would be shot in a way where what the is... The edges uh, don't matter? You know, huh? The edges don't matter? No, it just, it would be, it would focus more on different edges, so you'd oh. be, it'd be the stuff above and below the middle of the screen that you would have to take a look at, um... The way I think of it is kind of like if you are self-publishing like a comic book, for example, like we all know comic books and they traditionally have a very vertical format. There's kind of this traditional um, sort of size and shape of a comic book that we all know and love. But when you get into indie comics, there's a lot of people who choose different formats. You know, they'll, some people will choose like wider books a lot of uh, comic strips use you know like shorter wider books um there's also people who do more square things like all different shapes and sizes that people choose and i think it's just a choice that goes into 
which format will tell the story that I want to tell in the best way. So like, I'm kind of all for it. Cause I just think it sounds like there's a cool variety and uh, maybe even more control that can be given to a filmmaker, you know, like maybe there will be a movie that's mostly widescreen, but a certain sequence will be vertical cause it works really well and stuff like that. So right. yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. I, I hope that it's more than just, you know, like, silly like phone videos that we see but i'm really intrigued to see where this will head is kind of my thoughts on it yeah yeah absolutely i yeah you're yeah i there's not much more to say to that <laughs> what's up um, yeah there's not much more to say that i just i just don't know how i like it just the idea just bugs me so i had to bring... I, th I think you're like you just can't imagine it maybe we're not like you can't imagine it but you you might need to see it to actually know how you feel about it you know yeah that's a good point it it's kind of like, uh, I never saw Hardcore Henry, but I know, like, Hardcore Henry is that first-person shooter movie, essentially. Yeah, it's shot, with a, go it's shot with a GoPro. Be... Right, and I, I always thought that would be such a cool way to make a movie, but everybody I talk to kind of says, like, it's, like, so-so because you kind of get bored watching just one perspective the whole time, and it's kind of one of those things that... You wouldn't know that until you actually see the movie. So, so I've seen Hardcore Henry. Yeah. Um, the only thing I had against the movie was the story was predictable. Okay. Otherwise, the idea of it was actually kind of cool because um, it's it's honestly it's kind of boring at first as you learn things about what's going on, like as the story's progressing. Because it the stunts get crazier and crazier and crazier as the movie goes, so it's not big crazy stuff until like later in the movie. So you have to build to that other stuff uh, as he yeah. learns how to use his abilities and that kind of stuff. Um, so, but the GoPro, just the idea of it's actually kind of cool. So um. <laughs> this this is super random, but uh, usually when San Diego Comic Con is going on, I kind of try to immerse myself in it as much as possible. So. Usually I'll be, like, looking at Twitter on my phone at, like, everything SDCC, and then I'll, like, maybe have a laptop where I'm, like, reading news about it. And I remember one year I had, like, on the TV, I was watching, like, a YouTube live stream that was essentially just, you know, some guy walking around the Comic-Con floor with his GoPro or, what, you know, his phone or whatever it was. Right. And it was almost like watching a first-person movie of Comic-Con and just thinking about that concept and the fact that there's so many kids these days who are probably watching stuff like that all the time yeah we might be getting more first person movies for all we know you know as um, years go. that's a good point yeah <laughs> um all right uh indiana jones five remember hearing yes. about this vaguely yeah so they're doing another indiana jones movie um and according to harrison ford it is set to start shooting in about two months Okay. That's it. That's that's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm excited. Just I want more Indiana Jones, so why not? <laughs> um, yeah. All right. Uh, is, uh, I'm kind of curious. Is George Lucas involved in the new Indiana Jones movie at all? He he probably helped story treatment stuff. Okay, and I'm sure Spielberg's helping out, or is he directing? Spielberg's you know Spielberg's directing. Okay. Cool. cool. Yeah. So it's the original team. Like, there's there's no way Harrison Ford was coming back without Spielberg for sure, and Spielberg yeah. wasn't coming back without discussing the stuff with George. So, you know. <laughs> I mean, that's what I would hope. I just hadn't, you know, yeah. checked that for sure myself. So. Yeah. 
So <clears throat> we know that Jurassic World 3 is coming. Okay. Um, and everyone from the original Jurassic Park who survived the film, um, in terms of character-wise, is returning. So Laura Dern and Ian Malcolm and... or. Uh, yeah, uh, Ellie Sattler and Ian Malcolm and Alan Grant and everyone who lived through it is coming back. Um, nice. And Chris Pratt went on the Ellen DeGeneres show, and he says, Jurassic World 3 has pretty much everyone in it. I know that all the cast from the original Jurassic Park is coming back, so it's going to feel very much like how Endgame brought everything together for Marvel. Um, yep. So we're getting our end of the Jurassic Park universe. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Jurassic Park characters assemble, I guess. <laughs> I guess so. Um, uh, can I go on? Uh, sorry, I feel like I'm bringing up a lot of tangents, but I just thought right. this was really funny. Um, the other day at work, in the background, we had uh, Jurassic Park going on the TV. The um, first one? And this guy, what's that? The first one? Yeah, the first one. And this guy walked in our room <clears throat> and started talking to us about how, I think it was like something like Dennis Nedry, um, you don't see him actually die. Like you see him get oh. jumped on by the Dilophosaurus and <laughs> yeah. then he like falls into the bushes and the bushes shake or something. So he's, he's saying like, he's actually trapped in his Jeep. Oh, right. That's like he gets sprayed, he gets sprayed, he gets sprayed in the face with the like acidic stuff. So he can't see yeah. it. And he gets himself in the Jeep, a close of the Jeep. He's locked in the Jeep. And then he opens his eyes, and the Dilophosaurus is there, and it screams at him, and then the camera pulls away, and it basically attacks, and the Jeep's, like, rocking back and forth. <laughs> right, there you go. So, like, so this guy was, like, let's do the whole. let's do the whole movie. I'll dictate the whole thing right now. <laughs> well, this guy was saying, like, you don't know that he's actually dead, and I just thought the concept of, like, a Dennis Nedry fan fiction where somehow he defeats the Dilophosaurus and he survives just is so ridiculous and funny to me that I just wanted to bring it up, so... Um, I don't know anyone who actually, aside from your friend, I don't know anyone who would have thought that he's not alive, or who, exactly. who is and alive. I, I don't know anybody who, like, cares particularly that they want him, wanted him to survive, <laughs> so... Right. I just thought it was very interesting. All right, I got three more stories, and then we can do the list, because we're <sighs> running a little long, so... Right. Um, do you remember Tiger LCD handheld games? Yeah, I actually do know about this story. All right, so Hasbro is releasing four new LCD games based on the original Tiger handhelds, which will be sold exclusively at GameStop for $15 each. Um, The story does not say what titles, um, but the idea is actually kind of cool. So kids, before we had our Nintendo Switches and our DSs and um, our mobile games on our phone... Uh, portable games for us before Game Boy and stuff, they had these cheap LCD single background games and they were, <laughs> and they were awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, so like calculator I, style graphics, they were awesome. <laughs> I heard about this and I thought it was like, I thought it was cool, but then I saw the price point and I'm like, man, 15 bucks seems high to me just because I was, I'm in this mindset where I'm like, well, you can just get better games on your phone for free sort of thing, but <laughs> right. I realized that... It, of the same that? caliber. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think, like, because it's a collectible... Like, I then I thought about the collectible aspect of it, and I'm like, okay, that's actually kind of cool, and, like, I feel like most people buying these things aren't buying the, aren't going to be buying them to play. It's going to be kind of, like, more as a collectible sort of thing, so... Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I know I mean, that... 
I have fond memories of playing those, but I actually I I'm really curious how they hold up nowadays. So it, you know, I might be willing to get one pending on the title, because you know I had a hand I had a handful of them, and the titles were uh, depending on what I'm actually playing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, could be really cool. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember. Uh, I remember you had a Ninja Gaiden one that was like impossible. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I actually had the two Ninja Gaiden ones, but the one was at, the one of them was actually not bad at all. I actually did I could follow it pretty well. Oh, okay. The, there were two of them. One of them was really really good, and I enjoyed it a lot. The other one was like ridiculously hard. Um, I, I like the idea that the Tiger LCD handheld game version of Ninja Gaiden is even like super hard though. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, all right. So two more stories. Uh, Netflix, Anime Central, um, according to, so an Overwatch cartoon and a Diablo anime are reportedly in the works. Interesting. From Netflix's, uh, uh, animation division, um, and they are, uh, from Blizzard's, uh, uh, and Activision's TV, uh, division. So, um, I don't know, I'm not a big Overwatch fan, like I've watched people play it, I've never played it myself. I don't know if I, I don't know if I care so much about the Overwatch, but a Diablo anime sounds awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of a, I'm kind of somebody who doesn't play either of those games, but um, well, Diablo, I could see myself getting into that. Well, that's the thing series, because you know? of how good Castlevania is. Diablo to me sounds fantastic. Oh yeah, it'd be super cool. And Overwatch, like, I like the cartooniness of it, and I like the, um, I like the character designs and stuff. I just never have really played it, sort of thing. So, right. gotcha. All right, and last story: NASA is hiring astronauts. Yay! NASA has announced that it's accepting applications for the next class of Artemis Generation astronauts, which will be bound for multiple destinations and propel space exploration further than it ever has been. We will be the first podcast to be broadcast from Mars. Um, so <laughs> That's ap- cool. <laughs> applications are in. <laughs> yeah. No, but you never know. Like, I don't know if we'll actually go there, you know, because I, well, I can speak for my myself only, but... I feel like I would just fail if I ever tried to be an astronaut, but right. I think like the idea of us having fans on Mars even is like a really cool idea. So, well, that was the thing when I saw the we'll story. I'm like, sweet, let's take the podcast to Mars. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'd be so. Awesome. Let's broadcast from the moon. All right. Yeah. All right. Are you ready to discuss the list? Yeah, sounds good. All right. News desk is cleaned off. Um, let's discuss the list. So. Um, Ryan, roll the thing. And now for the top five. All right, dude, we're back. Um, awesome. So this is uh, your list. Yes. Um, so you want to explain the idea behind the list? Because I kind of went a different way with one of my choices. Yeah, that's fine. Um, so... I guess I thought of this list because, as a, I, especially as a kid, because I remember seeing a lot of this stuff in cartoons where the characters would watch a show or they'd play a video game or watch a movie or something, and I remember a lot of times feeling like, man, I wish I could enjoy that series. You know, I wish I could enjoy 
that show, etc. Um, and uh, I decided like it'd be a cool list to do just kind of like fictional shows and games and uh, movies and just any like media that exists within a work of fiction that doesn't exist in our world. Like I thought it'd be kind of cool to talk about that sort of concept and see where we would go with it so right so i and looking back over my list something i told you i i you know that's hmm all right yeah well how about this all my stuff comes from fiction in some way um right and you'll understand as we go through the list but i tackled it a little bit differently but still hung true to what you wanted so yeah it's a it's a vague enough list too because uh so it's kind of it'll be interesting to see which way we go with it but uh like I said last week, these are all probably going to be deep cuts, which is also kind of a cool thing. Um, this is, I'll mention this, this is the first time this has happened, but while I was describing like what this list was about, I realized I forgot to include one of my favorite things. So I just adjusted my list as I was talking right now. So. <laughs> oh, well, all right then. Um, yeah, usually I'm more prepared, but I totally forgot about one. So. Yeah, right. Well... I have one honorable mention. How many do you have? I have two. Okay. Do you want to do one? Uh, yeah. How about you do one of yours? I know it's supposed to go back, and I know it's I'm supposed to go first, but I only have one. So why don't you give me at least one of yours so it goes? We get the back and forth. Okay. So I'll, my first one's pretty weird, um, and it, I'm gonna try to keep this short. But uh, <clears throat> so I was looking. I really like. I enjoy drawing comics and comic book artwork and stuff. So. Obviously, I like movies about comic book creators, and there's only a handful, you know, there's like Chasing Amy, there's One Crazy Summer, there's Gremlins, but one time I decided to kind of look online and see, are there any other movies about comic book creators that I don't know about? And I stumbled upon this crazy, like, uh, 80s, like, B-horror movie called Cellar Dweller. Have you ever heard of this? (laughs) No. (laughs) Okay, so basically the plot of the movie is it's about an artist who is making a comic and the comic book is inspired by uh like he comes up with ideas for his comic um by reading like occult books like witchcraft and stuff like that because he's making like a really horrific comic and he ends up like drawing this monster that is actually a demon that he accidentally summons so like when he draws the monster like go kill somebody that actually happens in real life (laughs) so it's just this crazy like really cool concept that just like so out there but it's funny like i think i like did a quick google search of like where can you stream cellar dweller or whatever and i think i found it on youtube like you could just watch the whole thing on youtube because just nobody cares (laughs) you know it's that like obscure and nobody's like gonna really flag you if you have this movie but I always thought it'd be cool to read that comic book, you know? I uh, I love the art style. It's got, like, a really underground slash, like, black and white sort of horror comic vibe. And uh, as far as I remember, you were safe if you read the comic. You just couldn't be one of the victims depicted in the comic book. So oh. that's my first one is All the right. Cellar Dweller comic book. All right. <laughs> okay, so my one honorable mention I have is, so this is this is tough to explain, uh, because it's technically a thing that exists, but it's not a thing that exists in the same. And that's the only reason it makes an honorable mention. Because I wanna, I wanna, <laughs> I wanna read this thing, but I can't get it in the format that I want. And that oh, is. Oh, I, I understand what you mean. 
and that's the novel to the Princess Bride. Okay. So let oh, me. I, I know where you're going. So let me explain. You can buy the novel, The Princess Bride. The problem is, if you've seen the movie, the the scenes where the kid is sick and his grandpa comes and reads him the book. Those scenes are in the novel. So right. so you can't actually get the novel with those without those scenes where you're just reading the story of the Princess Bride. Um. So because the book really exists but doesn't exist at the same time in terms of how I want it, um, yeah, if that makes sense to you. That's why it gets an honorable mention and not an actual pick. So Yeah, that's a, that's actually a cool pick. That's a, Yeah, that's a really interesting um, take on that. But, yeah, I, I love it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, Go ahead. So my next honorable mention, this one's super short, but uh, I always wanted to play Demonic which is the video game that the main character in Grandma's Boy was working on. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of just this, like, they don't show a lot of it, but you play... <laughs> I like how all my honorable mentions are about demons. <laughs> but uh, you see uh, him working on this game where you play as a demon, and I think you're, like, running around fighting drug lords, or it's something crazy like that. Yeah, but you're clearing out meth labs. <laughs> yeah. But it always looked really fun, and I like the graphics and the aesthetic of it, so I thought that'd be a cool one. Cool. All right. Okay, so looking, so now we're on to actual picks. Um, yes. Looking at the picks I have in front of me, I said to you I had one of them that was tech. I actually have two of them that are tech. Okay. Um, but you'll understand Art. why it counts. Yeah, I mean, if it's, <clears throat> I mean, I hope they're, like, kind of more for entertainment purposes, but I mean, um, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, they both can be. (laughs) (laughs) They both can be. Um, So the first one is, um, this is, it's from the Matrix. It's specifically how they downloaded information to themselves and how they learned things really fast. Okay. Like the idea of like, like he like jacked himself in and instead of actually being in the matrix they were just uploading information like fighting techniques and like weapon schematics and all that stuff and Okay. What if you could learn that fast? What if you could just plug yourself in and bloop? Like, here we go. I, I, I've learned all the languages in the world because that's probably where I would start is languages. Um, and I thought about oh, that, that'd too. that'd be great. I thought about that, too, when I wrote it down. I was like, uh, languages, that's totally where I would start. Just boom. Like, all the languages just instantly uploaded. And then we'll eventually get to fighting styles and weapons because that sounds fun <laughs> and cool. But how do I do this? And, oh, you know what? I've always wanted to learn how to fly a plane. Bam, I got it. You know what I mean? So uh, the the tech that gets you to that is something I've always thought would be cool to have. So Okay. Yeah. No, no, yeah, I like that. It's uh, it's interesting. It's um, I feel like it flirts with the line of being able to count, but it does – I feel like a fictitious – video game system would count so i feel like this still does count right if that makes sense right. like it's in the same realm so yeah i, I could go with that that's a right. very interesting pick and yeah. i agree like i wish i could learn the things that fast <laughs> that'd be awesome and i'll get my another my other tech one out of the way too but that's a little bit the next tech one i have is a little bit closer to what you were looking for so in terms of okay. like your idea of the list but the matrix thing is something i've thought about for years uh, like, why can't we learn stuff that quickly? You know, like, yeah. just, oh, I need to study for my math test. Boom, I know it all right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. All right, uh, what's awesome. your first actual pick of the night? 
So my first actual pick, um, I'll keep this short and get this out of the way because I talk about this a lot, but uh, I think it'd be cool to be able to read the Blunt Man and Chronic comic, um, like the one in Chasing Amy. Like, I really like Mike Allred as an artist, and he drew the pages that you see in Chasing Amy, and uh, I don't know, it just looks like a cool like indie comic that I would enjoy. This made my short one. list, by the way. Okay, nice. And it's like it's one of those things I don't know if I... I'm especially drawn to sort of like the stoner joke aspect of it, but I just think the whole like the whole antics of uh, Jay and Silent Bob super superhero form um, and like the underground comic aspect of it, and it just like totally seems up my alley. Otherwise, so yeah. Right on. Okay. Um. So my next pick of the night is: uh, Did you ever see the movie Office Christmas Party? No. Still haven't seen that one. I laugh because you mentioned it so many episodes ago that you were like watching it nonstop or something. No, I was watching it like nonstop during Christmas. I just kept watching it like during the Christmas season. Like, God, I love this movie. Was Um, it was was it one of those things where it was just always on HBO or? Um, some of it. Well, FX was running it, so it was on a lot. Um, but I noticed that if you pulled it up, so FX is edited, but if you pulled it up on demand. They'd still run a commercial every 20 minutes, but it was an unedited cut of the film, so all the language and everything was still there. So I just found myself watching it a lot. Um, the uh, Anyway, in the movie, to save the tech company, um, Olivia Munn's character creates this computer software that allows, um, instead of using normal Wi-Fi it allows you to draw a Wi-Fi signal from any electronic device. So that could be a street lamp, your your microwave, uh, the battery on your car, like anywhere you're getting electronic signal, you can pull the internet from. And it was this software called Anywhere. And that, okay. and just because of like when we think of our phones, when we think of like electronic gaming, when we think of like, you know, doing like mobile gaming on our phones, when we think about our social media and stuff, being able to get on the internet faster and more efficiently is something that people think about all the time. And then this movie just had this thing. It So the product was called Anywhere because you can get the internet anywhere you are. Um, so that's that's the dream tech that I that's the that's the fictional media that I'm picking here is Anywhere from that movie. Interesting. If that it's makes sense, yeah. It's an interesting concept. I'm, like, racking my brain trying to figure out whether that is even remotely possible or not. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm not sure, but... Well, when she explains it on the movie, it makes complete sense. And then when we were doing this list, I was like, okay. yeah, anywhere. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Like, we need this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So okay, the rest... Cool. Of the... I think it's, like, I need more experience with the movie, but, I mean, it right. sounds like... It's Definitely. look honestly, it's a very it's it's a it's a MacGuffin for the plot um, that you learn about at the beginning of the movie, then it plays in later. But it's not important to what actually happens in the movie. <laughs> so, um, but no, the rest of my list are actual like uh, more of the nerd culture stuff. But anywhere falls under nerd culture because it's tech. So nice. But yeah, all right, go ahead. Okay, so my next pick, this is actually the one that I just added to my list. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like this is your addendum. Ago. Yeah, but it's, um, so there's this manga called Bakuman that I've, uh, I've mentioned it before. It's also an anime. Yeah, you um, have. But it's, uh, it's basically a manga about manga creators. So it's like, 
if you take Shonen Jump and you like make a manga about the creators who work there, like that's kind of what it is. You're you're reading about like people competing each week to have the top like you know issue of their manga published and stuff. And it's it's if you're into writing or art or comics or just kind of like storytelling, it's like kind of a really fun read that you can go through. And there's really cheesy aspects of this manga but it's i think it's like really fun if you can ignore some of the cheesy stuff but uh obviously there's a lot of fictitious manga or comics in this whole series so there's like a lot of just these fake manga that they talk about that you're just like man i really want to actually read (laughs) the real version of it um and my favorite one that i really wanted to read was this one called zombie gun (laughs) and it's just kind of this like I mostly wanted to read it because of the aesthetic, and it's like this really cartoony uh, manga series that one of the creators in the uh, in the series makes, and it's a very sort of like action horror cartoony story. Like it's right up my alley, but um, it just really looked really fun, and I always wanted to read that one. Uh, the other funny thing about Zombie Gun is the plot of the series that they talk about this fake manga having is very similar to the plot of the movie uh warm bodies if you've ever seen Mm. that movie (laughs) because it's about like a self-aware zombie who falls in love with a human girl and of course it's like way more action-packed and crazy and stuff but i think this i think the story the zombie gun story might have came out before (laughs) warm bodies and it's like either a weird coincidence or maybe there was some influence there but i always thought that was kind of like a really funny thing so Oh, okay. Yeah, that I think that's my deepest cut. Actually, I don't know. I might have a deeper cut, but yeah. <laughs> um, I def- My next one is actually a huge deep cut because I actually had to do research to find out that it's not real. Um, okay. So we've talked about our love for the movie The Labyrinth before. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think you, you might, based on me just mentioning the title of this movie, you might know where I'm going with this. Um... At the beginning of the movie, you see Sarah, uh, played by Jennifer Conley, out in the, like, she's, I don't know if she's in a cemetery or a park or, no, she's in a park. Um, yeah. She's in her, like, cosplay, and she's got a book in her hand, <laughs> and she's, like, reciting lines and, like, kind of just acting it out in her head and just kind of, like, yeah. doing her own thing. So the book that she has in her hand, whether that's a script or a book, you're not actually sure. It does not exist. Um, so the book, which is titled Goblins of the Labyrinth, um, was created as a prop for the film, for the story that everything is based on. So when she goes into the fantasy world from the book, that's all based on this fictional plot that was created for the movie. So the book is called Goblins of the Labyrinth, but it's not real. Um, it's a book that I've always wanted to read, and I didn't know it wasn't real until I started doing research for this list. Interesting. Yeah, I didn't know. It's kind of funny, like, I always assumed it was real, but I really, I don't know, I, I guess I never thought that deeply into it, but that's a, that's a cool pick. It is one of those things that when you think about it, it is it is one of those, like, yeah, I actually do really want to read that, so. Yeah, and, you know, she's reciting lines and stuff, so when I was doing my research, I was like, the, the research even states, they're like, yeah, um, there's no there's no word whether that's an actual novel or it was a script and she was just reciting lines from the script that she was given for the film itself or what she was reading was actually in it but that book that she has that she walks around with and like 
you know, all it, like she's acting stuff out from. It's all fictional. So yeah, yeah. Cool. Yeah, yeah that's a uh, very interesting. Yeah, one. that's I like that. That's my big deep cut for the night. So <laughs> okay, nice. Uh, what do you got? So my next one is uh, Starfighter, which is the arcade game from the last Starfighter. Um, this is one when when I was a kid and I first saw this movie. I, of course, thought this arcade game looked like a ton of fun. And uh, when you look at it now, it doesn't seem like it's going to be the greatest thing. But it's still, like, I love arcade games. I love that this movie takes place, like, or kind of the inciting incident of this movie is centered around this arcade game, which is really cool to me. And uh, the thing is, if I'm in a uh, fictional world and I can play this game chances are like i'm gonna actually like if i get good enough i'm gonna be able to actually do the real thing if you know where the movie's headed so i guess i kind of picked that one with uh the possibility of where it can lead if that makes sense yeah yeah that makes sense yeah um yeah no that's that's actually i was trying to i was thinking about video games a lot when i was making my list in terms of like what really stands out that would be worth me and like demonic honestly is one that i forgot about when you mentioned that earlier (laughs) so yeah um, like that slipped past me but that would not have made my list when you hear my next two picks so there's there's so many video game ones that i'm just like i want to play that you know so that's well i also comes from but my next two picks don't even bring up this but i even was trying to think like like the music like some of the music from like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, like an yeah. album from one of the bands like that made my short list. Um, there, there, there is sort of a crossover with that episode we did about the fictional bands. Like this list definitely has like crossover potential with that. And I don't right. know how we would, you know, regulate that or not. <laughs> so. no, I'm not, I'm not worried because I stayed completely away from it. Cause I thought about it when I was putting this list together. So same. Um, yeah. All right, so my number, my second to last pick for the night um, is, we've all seen Home Alone, right? Oh, I know exactly. You know exactly where I'm now. going. So the black and white movies that um, that uh, he's wa- that Kevin's watching are not real. Yes. They were made for Home Alone. Those sequences, like the one, like so, you know, Uncle Frank won't let him watch it because he's not old enough, and. Then when they're all gone, he like sits down and watches it and freaks out, and then he uses it to scare everybody. So whether it's Home yeah. Alone or Home Alone 2, those black and white movies do not exist in real life. I have always wanted to watch them, and it wasn't until like later in life. So like when I saw those movies when I was a kid, it wasn't until like I was in college that I wanted to act. I'm like, ooh, I wonder if I could actually watch those, and did the research and found out that they were not, they're not real. So <laughs> no, I cannot watch those, but I always have wanted to. Yeah, I so. um. I had a similar experience, like, I think it was a couple years ago, I, um, realized that these weren't real movies, and it was kind of just a crazy turning point, where it's just like, wait, what? <laughs> like, my whole life has been a lie, sort of thing, but, no, that's a, that's a really funny pick, um, I think, and I might be wrong, That's but funny when you said, oh, I know where you're going, and honestly, when I wrote this one down on my list, sorry to interrupt you, but I totally yeah. thought you and I were gonna match on that. <laughs> that no, was the I one that I thought we were gonna match on. I didn't think about that one, but those are really cool. Like, that's a really cool pick. Um, do you know the, the titles of those movies off the top of your head? I, I don't, and I could look them up okay. real quick. Um, so so I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure the movie that he watches in the, the... So the movie that Kevin watches in the first Home Alone is called Angels with Filthy Souls, I yeah. believe. 
And I think the movie he watches in the second Home Alone is Angels with Even Filthier Souls, which I just think is, like, really funny movie titles. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, all right, man, so what's your second-to-last pick of the night? Yeah, so my second-to-last pick, and this is the one that I thought might have been even a deeper cut than Zombie Gun. I'm not really sure. It's definitely a little more retro, but it is Wacky Deli. <laughs> And this is a fake cartoon that is from Rocco's Modern Life. So this is a cartoon. Uh, that... Of course it is. <laughs> so this is a, there's an episode of Rocco's Modern Life where Rocco, Heifer, and Filbert end up working as uh, animators. You know, they work as cartoonists and they have to design their own cartoon. And it is one of the funniest episodes. Like, this is the one where they have the... Uh, the steps to making like a animated uh series and it's like step one get your supplies you know step two get oh. your workstation step three through five thousand draw lots and lots of tiny little pictures <laughs> but um they make they make this cartoon called wacky deli and it's about a couple characters like there's like a sausage character there's like a cheese character and maybe a bread character or something and they just do random antics and there's these really funny jokes in the show. Like, one of the jokes is their uh, their original cut for the first episode gets destroyed. So then they have to, like, make one last minute, which, you know, how do you make an animated episode of a TV show last minute? And it becomes this ridiculous, like, cut of, like, some of the stuff they animated but then also, like, cutting back and forth to, like, a live-action cooking show. And it's just this really chaotic mess, but the audience loves it. Like, everybody thinks it's the funniest thing. And it's just, like, the series of accidents like that that, for some reason, everybody loves because there's a, there's a guy who is trying to... Uh, it's actually... Uh, uh, I, I think it's Ralph Bighead, who's the Bighead son, but he's trying to sabotage the program the whole time. So he replaces one of their episodes with just a stagnant picture of a, of a uh, jar of mayo for half an hour. And for some reason, everybody <laughs> loves that episode. You know? <laughs> and it's just this really hilarious episode of Rocco's Modern Life. But I always thought that would be just a hilarious show to watch if I could in real life. And, uh, it's kind of funny because I feel like this Wacky Deli show is almost like a precursor to like Aqua Teen Hunger Force and like that sort of like nonsense that took over Adult Swim, you know, a few years later. So right. it's just a really interesting and funny one. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, I don't, I've never seen that episode, but I love Rock with Modern Life, so I hear you. Um so here is my final pick of the night and I'm surprised and like I thought about this I'm like there's a chance you and I match on this but okay. but I honestly probably not uh, my pick my final pick for the night is The Oasis <laughs> okay so we totally matched on this okay <laughs> <laughs> alright <laughs> um, and I was just like because I wrote it on my short list I'm like there's no way that's not number one for me seriously um, yeah. but yeah dude I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here the other night, uh, playing on my Xbox, and I got and whatever game I was playing, I was like, "Man, I don't want to play this anymore." Exited the game and just fired up the next game without moving. Like I just kind of like because the games are all a lot of the games on my Xbox are digital, so it's just like I just fired up the next game, and yeah. 
the fact that the idea of being in the Oasis and doing it without having to, like, use a controller and just kind of walking to the next world, the virtual idea of it, I just... I'm, like, why can't we do that? Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I just... That's, yeah, I mean... Yeah, that's it's, where I'm at. Like, there, I'm sorry, it's, it's the Oasis. Yet, like, yeah, so... Yeah, no, this was one where I wrote it down when I was working on my short list, and it was one of those things where it's like, does it even count? But then I kept thinking, like, technically it's a video game, you know, and we've we picked other video games tonight, and it's just one of those things where it's like, I mean, it has to count, even though it feels like it's a cheat, but it's, I mean, how do you not pick it? You know, it's this virtual world where you can literally, you know, do anything you want, like, live out your fantasies, and I think, like, someday we will get there where you can... If you want to go to a medieval fantasy world for the day, you can. Or if you want to go fly a spaceship and fight aliens, you can. And, like, the whole concept of it and, like, that sort of experience being accessible to anybody is just, like, so exciting to me. And, like, I'm just so... I can't wait to see where VR goes. And hopefully we get something like this someday. But, I mean, I just don't know how this wouldn't make someone's list. You know what I mean? Right. And you know the Oasis is the Oasis is technically tech, but it's still a video game. And yeah. but where the Oasis shines in terms of technology is they they glossed over it a little bit in the like it's not covered in the movie the way it is in the book. But in the book, if you need to go like grocery shopping, you log into the Oasis, go to the gro- go to a virtual grocery store, do your shopping, and everything's delivered to your house. Yeah. Okay, if I want to buy something from Amazon, I log into the Oasis and go to the Amazon store, buy it, and then it gets shipped to my house. Like, it's all, it's the way, that's how that works. And then if I, you know, they also talk about how uh, the way schools are handled in the novel are, and they, and if you, and if you've read the novel, then watch the movie, they cover, they do cover this in the movie, it's just very, very light, and it's like, Almost like, wait, they, they did cover it, and like I just missed it because it was a line of dialogue. Um, kids don't go to normal schools. They log into the Oasis, and they go to a planet where all the schools are. And you attend your classes in the Oasis, and then you would leave yeah. said planet at whatever time. So like uh, the way they handle it in the book is if you're under a certain age, if you're a minor... You can't log in during these school hours. You can't log into any other programs but school. And then oh, when this, and when school hours are over, then you would leave school, and then you could be like, "Well, I'm gonna go on the racetrack, or I'm gonna go play Halo, or I'm gonna go do play the Star Wars game." I was, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you can't. So if you're under a certain age, you can't go into anything else but. Um, yeah. Which I just thought was interesting in terms of regulations, but. So there's probably a lot of kids with their VR helmet uh, plugged into school, but they take it off and they're actually playing their Tiger Electronics handheld games. <laughs> yep, yep, that that makes complete sense. Uh, um, so yeah, um, that brings us to the end of the list, man. Because you and I matched on that last one. I was honestly, I'm a little surprised that we did, but hey, why not? Um, um, yeah, th- I thought this was a, this actually turned out fun. I even before the episode, I was like. This list is going to be weird, but I actually had a great time with this one. Yeah, no, it was a good list. Um, so next week um, will be 
since the Oscars are over, it's time to look back on 2019 and our favorite movies of 2019. Yeah. Um, hopefully I can squeeze in another movie before I put this list together. Uh, no guarantees, yeah. but I'm hoping I can squeeze in at least maybe Knives Out or Jojo Rabbit. Those are the other two that I wanted to get in. Uh, we'll, okay. we'll see if I can have time or not. I've got one more that I really want to try to get in, so... But, but, well, yeah, we'll see how it Those goes. are the only two that I was like, crap, I might have to, like, later on bring them up. But um, I'm going to have to look back at the year and see what I liked the most and time to do our favorite 2019 <laughs> list. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then right after that, um, we'll roll into C2E2. Uh, the way I think we're going to handle the C2E2 stuff is I'm going to have to record bumpers and stuff for all the audio. Um, so I'm going to have to bring the audio back and record, like, some extra stuff so we can put the audio in the order we need to put it in. Um, yeah. So with that said, um, C2E2 might take it like an extra week or so to get up. Uh, so I apologize, but you will get the audio. So, um, we'll, we'll make sure that works out. Um, so you ready to close it out for the night? Yeah. Sounds great. All right, man. Uh, well, if you guys would check out our website, uh, top five report.com, there you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with a link to our email, uh, top5report at gmail.com. There you'll, you can interact with the show or hit us up on our social media. That's the best way to do it. Um, uh, if you, where was I, man? I, I do the outro so many weeks and now I'm like, kind of like coming up blank. Um, uh, we are on, uh, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts. Uh, please subscribe to us because if you do, you won't miss a single episode and you'll be able to leave us a review. Uh, we love the five stars, uh, but we understand uh, criticism because it helps us get better, and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, so uh, if you want to follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram, it's at Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, um, you can follow me on uh, Twitter at NinjaPierre, and that's where I will be recruiting pilots to join in the fight against Zur and the Kodan Armada. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Uh, well, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening, everybody.